0: Hi guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has for over 15 years delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. I am so happy to announce that our crowd pleasing grain free gratified bar is now available. It is made with nut seed superfoods, easy to digest, egg white protein, baked with coconut oil, and sweetened with some coconut nectar and monk fruit. It is my new favorite thing, and I am so excited to share it with you. We also have our Empower Bar baking mixes, which come in both original and cacao, and provides you the ability to make your own healthy nutrition bars at home. It's super easy and convenient with minimal ingredients but the baking mixes do so much more from cookies to cakes to pie crusts, breads, muffins, you name it. I have all Empower Baking makes recipes on my online magazine, healthified.com And for a discount off of any of my gratified products, visit gratified.com and use the promo code healthified at checkout. Also, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could scroll down and submit a rating or review five stars is awesome and very much appreciated. But of course, honest feedback is also welcome. Today's repeat guest is Tina Hoppert, founder of the wellness brand Carrots and Cake. You will hear all about why I wanted her to come back on the podcast, and this episode is a good one. In this conversation, we discuss what fat loss is, the role that hormones play, and why it isn't just about calories in, calories out, how functional testing can be a great tool to help you reach your goals, major beliefs you may have to unlearn when it comes to weight loss and increasing your energy, why as women we shouldn't be exercising, eating, or even working in the same way every day, muscle building, eating enough protein, and eating enough in general in your 30s, 40s and beyond. Let's head to our chat. Tina, hello. Welcome back to the Healthified Podcast. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. um, I am so excited about this conversation. I have a particular topic in mind that I can't wait to pick your brain about. For those listening, this is Tina Hoppert. She is the founder of the wellness brand Carrots and Cake. And this is her second time on the Healthified Podcast. And I reached back out to her because I wanted to do an episode on the concept of eating more and exercising less for weight loss and particularly hormonal health. Um, she does such a great job on her Instagram, educating women on the topic of hormonal fat loss in particular. And I thought that she would be a great person to have this conversation with, um, So with that, Tina, I know that you shared a little bit more about your background during our first episode, which is number 15 for anyone who hasn't listened, you can go back and get a brief more rundown introduction there, but just to kick us off, can you just tell us a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are today and particularly with your coaching practice and kind of niche thing that you help your clients with?
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to share the details. So yep, I'm Tina Hoppert. I'm the woman behind Carrots and Cake. Um, I'm also an FDN practitioner and basically FDN stands for Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. And what all those big words mean is that I use functional testing with our clients. So instead of, you know, just giving our clients, recommendations. As far as weight loss goes, we use those functional tests, um, to really customize a plan and a protocol for them. Um, because I feel like a lot of women who come to us, they want to lose weight. I would say 90% of the women we work with have some sort of body composition goal in mind. Um, but I feel like they've tried all the things they're doing all the things they're buying random supplements, doing random programs, and they're just not getting the results that they want. So we use hormone testing, gut testing, mineral testing, and basically use the data from from those tests to customize a plan for them. So like, what does your body need? What is going on with your gut and your hormones? Like, how do we create a plan that's Strategic, so you're not just throwing spaghetti at a wall and just spinning your wheels and not getting results. So, I mean, our clients get amazing results because we're focusing on the right things instead of doing eight million things and feeling like a failure and not getting any results. Um, but we we use um, functional testing with simplicity. I mean, that's another. <laughs> (laughs) A big piece of our program because I feel like a lot of women they start these, you know, weight loss programs or fitness programs or whatever, and they tell or the recommendations are doing like one million things at once. So you have to like clean out your pantry and go food shopping and mix sugar and gluten and dairy and start a workout routine. And most women can do that for a couple of weeks. But it just, it's too much for their current lifestyle and it's too new and different. And I think a lot of times we end up failing because it's just too much at once. So our plan is really, let's get consistent with some of the foundations before we start adding in these next level things as far as our approach goes.
0: Yeah. And when an approach or a plan is too overwhelming, I mean, that doesn't really do you any favors, especially if someone is stressing out about it. So I think that Mm -hmm. that simplicity piece is super important. And I want to go deeper onto the functional testing side of things, but, you know, I think I would love to kind of hear you break down, no pun intended, what exactly is fat loss, um, and what do hormones have to do with it? And why is it not just about calories in calories out? Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I Sorry, say... I'm such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. These are perfect questions. Um, but I would say, you know, if fat loss was as simple as like calories in calories out, I feel like none of us would have issues losing weight. We would just eat less than, or, you know, consume fewer calories than we currently are, exercise more, and I just feel like it doesn't work for a lot of women, especially like in this age range, like most of the women that we work with are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and this is kind of like a weird time in life, you know, this like quote-unquote perimetopause time where- things are changing as far as your hormones go. And you know, when things get out of balance, um, it just makes losing weight harder. I, it's not impossible. And I kind of joke around about this. I'm like, anybody can lose weight. You go on a crash diet, you'll lose the weight. But the issue yeah. is that a lot of times that weight comes back or you yeah. gain more. Um, and you just go into this awful cycle of like yo-yo dieting on a diet, off a diet, gaining, losing, you know, it's yeah. like a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. When we're in this phase of life, like it really is all about, you know, taking care of our bodies. And a lot of times there is some planning that needs to happen. Like one of the biggest mistakes I see with women is that they just decide that they want to lose weight and they just start cutting calories and exercising more. And a lot of times this is a good segue into the topic today is that yeah. you almost need to do the opposite of that. Like, I feel like what worked in our twenties, um, doesn't work anymore. And I mean, in our twenties, I joke about this too, is that I remember Staying up all night, drinking beer, eating nachos, yeah. next morning, going for a five mile
0: run. Oh, and- I know you blogged about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, it's all on the internet somewhere, too. Yeah. So. Um, but, you know, could lose five or 10 pounds before vacation, yeah. no problem, had no issues doing it. But then you start trying to do that same stuff in your 30s and 40s, and it doesn't have the same effect. And if anything, I feel like you feel worse. Like you're just exhausted. You're sore from your workouts. You're moody. Um, you're, you know, impatient with your kids. There's like so many of these like hormone hormonal things that go into it. Um, So I feel like when you can get your hormones and your blood sugar, which can definitely be a topic for a different day um, working properly, it just makes it easier as far as making good choices, feeling more balanced, like not spinning your wheels. So a lot of times when women come to us, it is kind of like unraveling this you know, metabolic dysfunction, um, before, you know, we really focus on like a fat loss phase. So I know that wasn't a straight answer, but there's like a few things that we do with clients before we put them in that fat loss phase.
0: Yeah. And what I think is great. And as I've kind of seen the evolution of you and your story and your business over the past 15 years, you know, it's very apparent. You're an example of like okay, what I was doing before isn't necessarily working for me in this chapter of life. So let me evolve and change. Like you're not just like stuck in like an old mindset and you realize that like as we evolve and change and especially like before we have kids versus after we have kids, like we're just going to have to be more fluid with our nutrition and our exercise and not just stay stuck in one way of doing things because it worked five years prior and it's not working anymore. Um, so is there something, you know, from your health journey for lack of a better word or background that kind of made you interested in this, that have, impelled you to like want to carve out this niche for your clients. And like, you know, I know as I see in your Instagram, like you're kind of focused on the perimenopause demographic, if you, if you will, but did you have some kind of personal experience that made you want to kind of shift your coaching towards more doing more of this message?
1: Yes, a hundred percent. So my own health struggles really motivated me to Mm -hmm. make a change and really educate myself on all of this because, um, you know, I did the blog thing for a very, yeah. very long time. And, you know, over the years I've transitioned more into this like functional space. Um, but I was diagnosed in 2011 with ulcerative colitis. And at the time I was like, oh, this came out of nowhere. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't believe I have GI issues and now I have yeah. an autoimmune disease. Um, but now, you know, going through the FDN training program and whatnot, I'm like, oh man, that <laughs> diagnosis was coming for years, mm-hmm. years Makes and decades. Sense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of like, the perfect candidate for having an autoimmune disease, but going through the health system and whatnot, I just felt like I was getting a lot of dead ends. And I mean, UC is a different animal altogether, but I really, where I was really motivated to like make a change and do the FDN program was really hormonal imbalance. So I had been on the pill for, 14 years. Like I basically got it in college. They were giving it away. Like anybody who has a pill, come get it. And so, you know, I went on the pill and I stayed on it basically until we wanted to get pregnant. And then, you know, came off the pill, got pregnant, no problem. Thankfully all that worked out. But, you know, after I had my son going back on the pill and just having so many hormonal issues, like the Mm. pill was not regulating anything. (laughs) Like I just felt so bad being on the pill, dealing with every single hormonal symptom. Like I have this like health journal basically, and yeah. I, you know, have gone back over the years and I had um hormonal breakouts, sore breasts, cramps, spotting, um night sweats, insomnia, mm. mood swings, um, hormonal headaches. Um, you name it. I had it. I had literally every single symptom and I would go to my OBGYN or my primary care doctor. They would run all the labs, you know, do all the blood work and it would come back and they'd be like, Oh, everything's normal. And I would just be like, I don't know. I just was so confused because I was like, how can everything be normal? How can everything look good? And I feel so bad every single day. Like I, literally thought I was losing my mind at times. Like yeah. I told this yeah. before, but I remember doing dishes at the kitchen sink and my husband walked behind me. And I just remember being Annoyed that he existed. You know what I mean? So it was just like things like that, that I was like, yeah. this is not me. This is not normal. Like I would snap at the dog. I mean, I yeah. had this elderly pug and I would like yell at him. And I'm just yeah. like, this is not me. Yeah. Um, but it was so frustrating and just getting all these non answers and everybody saying you were fine. So the summer of 2017 was where I decided to stop the pill altogether and mm. My hormones, hormones. Yeah. And yeah, I just went down this rabbit hole and I was like, I need to fix this. And I've learned a lot over the years and really, hormonal imbalance just doesn't come out of nowhere. A lot of times it's a result of some sort of dysfunction elsewhere in the body. So it could be your gut. It could be your stress levels. It could be your blood sugar. There's a lot of things that influence that hormonal imbalance. So, you know, when people say they have hormone issues, a lot of times we're looking a little bit deeper to help with those hormone issues, but that's where this whole thing started. And it really just went down a rabbit hole of trying to get healthy, but hundred percent, my own frustrations Yeah. It made me to do this. And now, you know, I work with women because I don't want people to go through the same craziness. I mean, it was, it was awful. Just so many doctors, so many tests that everything being like, you're normal, you're healthy. Everything's fine. And I'm just like, I'm not, yeah, not fine. I don't feel great.
0: And I feel as if your story would resonate with a lot of people. And I've even interviewed a couple of different functional Um, medical doctors on the podcast before. One was even yesterday and he specializes in autoimmunity. Um, And kind of the common theme is how much frustration Mm -hmm. someone can come up against when they're just primarily in the conventional medical space. Um, And, you know, one um, doctor who I interviewed months ago, the title of her book was, It's Not In Your Head. Because I feel as if like- Sometimes conventional medical doctors will kind of, if they don't say that outright, you know, it's kind of the, the small print, um, because when they just use the kind of traditional blood work and everything comes out normal, but then on, in your daily life, you're literally like, I, something is not right here. What is going on? And you're not getting your answers. You know, as I say over and over again on this podcast, like that just is, it reaffirms that we really need to take our health into our own hands. So for someone listening who might kind of, again, resonate with your story, like, where did you start? Like, did you turn to a book? Did you go to the internet? I mean, I would probably advise not people to go to WebMD, but, you know, like, where did you start in order to kind of be your own advocate?
1: Yeah. So like I said, I still remember this moment. I was on a walk with my family summer, Mm. 2017. And I just remember complaining to my husband (laughs) and my son was there and we were walking the dog. And I just remember being like, I have to do something. I have to figure something out. And that really did kind of like get the ball rolling. But shortly after that, it might even have been before or after that, that momentous walk. Yeah. We had gone on vacation with some friends. And one of my friends was reading a book called woman code. Mm. And um, she just let me borrow it. I was like, Oh, can I flip through that? I was just like really curious what she was reading about, and that was it. That was the book yeah. that really just led me down the rabbit hole on hormones and just how many things you can do as far as your diet and your lifestyle, and so many things outside of just going back on the pill to quote unquote regulate hormones. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, there's another way. I mean, it's going to take a little bit longer, you know, you have to put a little bit more work in, but I just knew at that point in my life I had a lot going on, I was super stressed, I probably was wasn't treating my body the best, but that book really helped me identify, like, you need to do X, Y, and Z if you're going to feel better. And then after that, it was like, just give me all the hormone books. Let me listen to all the hormone podcasts. Like I just wanted to know everything. And then the FDN training was kind of like the thing that really propelled everything because then I could interpret labs. I could run labs on myself. And then that just, you know, transitioned to my business so I could help people. But, um, yeah, it was just, as soon as I was in it, it was, yeah. But I, I still love this stuff. I love learning. And I, I like
0: same. So and I just like, if you had said the term cycle sinking to me, like even just a couple of months ago, I would have like run the other direction just because <laughs> it seems like it's really complicated, but I did, I have it like right here next to me. I finished Elisa Vitti's second book, mm-hmm. um, in the flow. And yep. that was so insightful. And, you know, I always have this tendency And it could be to a fault. But like when I read something like this, I just like want to go all in and right away and immediately. And I feel as if, you know, that I can almost like shoot myself in the foot because then I get really stressed out about it and overwhelmed. And I'm like feeling like I need to do this big overhaul. Um, And that's not necessarily true either. I think Elisa Vidi, I haven't read Woman Code, but. I feel like she does a really good job of like, okay, here are some baby steps. Like mm-hmm. if you want to start small, like maybe just kind of cycle sink your seeds or your vegetables or your cooking methods or, you know, just, and it's so insightful and I've never thought about it that way. Like it's crazy to me as women. And I guess, again, it could be like a generational thing. That's probably wasn't known when, you know, I was going through puberty. Like my mom probably didn't sit me down and being like, well, you need to have pumpkin seeds during this time. (laughs) You know? So, I mean, I just think it's really powerful. Do you use kind of cycle syncing um, in your, your coaching practice? Is that something you advocate for?
1: Yeah. So I'm a big fan of it. I actually have a master class on my website. If you're, Oh, I love that. I will link to
0: it in the show notes.
1: (laughs) I mean, specifically from like a fitness standpoint, but yeah, I went down that rabbit hole as well. And I thought it was fascinating. I mean, just coming from a personal standpoint, I noticed, you know, there were certain times in the month where I, was really excited to work out. I wanted to lift heavy. I wanted to challenge myself. And then there were other times in the month where I was like, I'm not really motivated. I kind of just want to sit on the couch. And then when I learned about this cycle syncing, I'm like, this makes so much sense. Our hormones change so much over the course of a month. So why not, you know, quote unquote, work with them instead of against them. And I also think, um, once you learn this whole idea of cycle syncing and when there are kind of like down times where you should like, take care of your body, be like a little bit more low key. I think that's helpful for women. Cause I think a lot of women just push themselves so hard. Absolutely. With their workouts. And I think cycle syncing almost gives you like permission to be more low key and to listen to your body. And I do think being a little bit more low key with your workouts is so great for recovery and just, you know, building yeah. strength and not stressing out your body so much. So I think Cycle syncing can be so, so good for people. Um, and I think it also just helps you pay attention more to your body and listen to your energy levels. Cause a lot of it's like energy and motivation that ends throughout the month. And I think, I think that's like a great way to look at it. And I, I feel like it helped me personally, because I was a bit of an over-trainer, um, yeah. did a little too yeah. much exercise. You know, I, I have a history of that. So cycles thinking was really helpful because, you know, that week before your period is in theory where you might not be as motivated. You might not feel as strong. You might want, want to go as fast and heavy and all that. And yeah. for me, it took, you know, it was permission in a sense to slow down and to, you know, go for some walks and do some stretching and not crush every single workout. So I think it was really good for me as far as
0: helping me recover from overtraining and then also just treating my body a lot better. Yes. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's permission to slow down. Like I feel as if, the exercise piece, like even if the nutrition piece can be overwhelming for somebody, like I do think the exercise is a great place to start because just like you, I, you know, there are some days where I just like want to be a little bit, I just have more energy to do more of the kind of like higher intensity stuff. And then, and I am someone that when it comes to exercise, like I would put a lot of pressure on myself to do a certain amount of workouts each week. And then Now looking back on it, I'm like, and I can also beat myself up if I feel as if like I I don't like bring a hundred percent to my movement practice. And so, um, I think again, that's a really good place to start. And also the like productivity piece, like especially having your husband as a business partner, like I'm like, Oh, like when we have our strategy meetings, yeah, I'm probably not going to have it during like my PMS phase. Or, you know, it's like, that's why our last strategy meeting, I was like, I'm um, scheduling this during my ovulatory phase. You are welcome. And I'm going to like come with a really good attitude this time. Um, So I I love that. That is something that you encourage as well.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And It's so true. I mean, I try to plan things like that, but it's again, permission to like, Not have a crazy day at work, you know, or vice versa, being like, oh, here we are at ovulation, let's bust out some work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do think of it as the month goes on, but I think just knowing your cycle in general can be so helpful and help you put the pieces together as far as like what's going on with your hormones, how you feel, what your moods are all about. Um, But I, I think that's like a big, part of this health journey, especially like yeah. when you got a pause and like this weird transition.
0: And it just allows you to give yourself some grace of like, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be completely chipper right now. Like that's okay. You know, and especially like moms with young kids, I mean, that's just a whole other layer of, mm-hmm. you know, things. So let's talk about the functional testing. Cause I would be really curious, you know, when someone comes to you and they get functional tests, what are some of those results or data, as you said, um, that comes out that allows someone to really understand maybe why there was weight loss resistance or, um, what they need to do going forward in order to achieve their goals.
1: Yeah. So it definitely depends on the woman. And typically I have a discovery call with prospective clients where we really just hash it out. Like what is going on with you? What's going on with your symptoms? Yeah. Um, you know, what are your goals? Um, but I ask those women kind of the same types of questions and they're all based on their metabolic health their thyroid health, their blood sugar, their gut, their Mm -hmm. hormones. Um, and that kind of directs where we're going to go with the functional testing, because not everybody needs a functional test, but it can be really helpful, especially if you're somebody that's like, I'm not getting answers. I'm not losing weight. I feel like crap every single day. Like help me like, give me some Mm -hmm. direction. Um, so from like the gut test, there's some bacteria that we can look at. Mm. Um, We can look at, you know, the immune response in the gut. Um, there is another marker on there that can show gut inflammation, perhaps related to gluten. Um, Um, there's like little things like that that can help us out because, you know, if your gut is wonky or your gut is not moving things along as far as, you know, having regular bowel movements and whatnot, it can, you know, hinder fat loss. It can hinder detox. There's like a lot of things going on in the gut. Um, so we'll just look at what's going on in there and make recommendations. A lot of times it's, you know, diet changes, maybe a little bit of supplementation. We're not crazy supplementers just because I've been on the other side of this working with years and you know, had practitioners give me like 20 different supplements and like a spreadsheet to keep it organized. And that is literally another layer of stress to add to yeah. somebody's life. So not a crazy supplementer, but, um, hormones can also impact fat loss. Like if you have too much estrogen, um, or not enough estrogen or too much testosterone or not enough testosterone, same with progesterone, um, or cortisol can be out of whack as far as, um, yeah blood sugar goes. And I feel like we hear about high blood sugar all the time, but like low blood sugar is actually an issue for a lot of our clients. Like there's a lot of like not eating intermittent fasting skipping yeah. meals, And honestly, like low, low blood sugar is like almost worse than like high blood sugar with just like how you feel. Um, and then and I'm,
0: cortisol, like I feel as if oh. your body undergoes a stress response when blood sugar gets too low.
1: Yep. A hundred percent. So that can just be like energy, mood swings, things like that. But if your blood sugar is out of whack and your insulin's out of whack, it's going to be a lot harder to lose weight. Um, and, uh, the mineral test. So that's Mm -hmm. one of my favorites, but, um, a lot of times we see just women who are really depleted, um, Mm -hmm. just where their minerals are. They're really low. It's called the four lows pattern. Um, but a lot of times, like when your body is not nourished properly, like you'll feel really tired. And like, if your body and your cells don't have the energy to work properly can also make, you know, fat loss and weight loss a lot harder. Um, and you know, the women we work with like they, they a lot of them are kind of like type a overachievers um working full time they have kid like little kids um and just the combination of stress where when your body is stressed you're going to lose minerals and electrolytes and all that and then yeah. you have you know a couple kids pregnancy is really hard on the body and you know depletes a lot of minerals and nutrients and things like that so for a lot of these women who come to us Really is about just like nourishing their bodies and yeah. eating the right foods. And a lot of the women who come to us, they've been through the whole diet culture, all the diet foods, the processed foods, and I mean that type of stuff is just not nourishing. I mean, I think about like <laughs> zero calorie noodles and oh my gosh, I know yogurt, and kashi cereal, and I mean there's just not. I guess it's food, but there's not a lot of like nutrition in it. So for all these women, it's like, let's eat some eggs and some red meat, (laughs) getting some like quality nourishment into them because yeah, these functional tests, I mean, they can give you a lot of data, um, but a lot of it is like just eating the right things (laughs) and prioritizing like what is most important.
0: So I feel as if you're basically describing me because I'm like (laughs) when... (laughs) Well, and I mean, I can remember the day I reached out to you to do this episode, I had actually gone to acupuncture and my acupuncturist was especially amazing right after I had my son almost two years ago now. Um, and she was so great and kind of educating me of the postpartum period and how just depleted I was, And you know, she has like a Chinese um, medicine herbal background or whatever. And so just to kind of hear her talking about it in that way. And you know, unfortunately I didn't listen to her as much as I should have. Like it was like one of those things where I had felt so uncomfortable in my body for so long. Like I just wanted to feel good and strong again. And I am not someone who was like, yes, I'm going to lay in bed for three weeks straight and just like drink bone broth and eat liver and like rest. No, no, no. Like I wanted to like, you know i started making my bulletproof coffee again like now looking back on it i'm just like oh my god no wonder my milk supply suffered it was because mm-hmm. i was completely undernourishing myself anyway all of this to say when i went back to her in february she i was kind of explaining to her some like hormonal issues that i was experiencing like i felt like i had never experienced like the week before um my period during like the month of january or february like it was almost like pmdd like i i don't maybe it was like also cuz it was the height of winter or whatever but and she was like do you track your food and i said oh absolutely not like i have a history of disordered eating like that's really triggering for me like i measure my glucose and i have a continuous glucose monitor and i'm very like into the blood sugar balance thing and she was like well i would just encourage you to track your food and see if you're eating enough and I was like, okay, so I downloaded this app and I started tracking my food and lo and behold, I was not eating enough. Um, and so then I, you know, I noticed some positive changes as I gave myself permission to kind of like add food back in. But I feel as if to your point of women in the dieting culture and yes, like Kashi cereal and you know, that like fat free yogurt was like my breakfast for five years in my twenties. Um, cause it was like all about calories and calories out back then. But, you know, I think that there's like a lot of unlearning that has mm-hmm. to happen. So whether it's yourself or your clients, like what have been some of those beliefs about food and nutrition that like you've had to unlearn and that you encourage your clients to unlearn?
1: Oh my, so many things yeah. <laughs> I feel like a podcast in itself. Um, I think one of the, the top ones is, oh man, there's so many, um, you don't even know where to go. Let's start with fruit. Um, okay. a oh, lot fruit, of yes. women who are afraid to eat fruit and they're like, there's too much sugar. And like, I get that. I literally get that question from like almost yeah. every client. Should I be yeah. eating fruit? Um, and fruit, is not sugar. They are not the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think fruit is wonderful. I mean, it's so nourishing for the body. It's loaded with vitamins, minerals, fiber, antioxidants. There's like so much good stuff in fruit. So it's always, it's, it's a tough one to break. Cause a lot yeah. of people are like, should I eat fruit? Um, and I was there too, when I was back in like my macro days, like I hardly ever ate fruit because there were too many carbs, but I mean, Mm. if you're an active woman, um, you need carbs. I mean, our body loves carbs. They are easy to process. It's our preferred source of energy. And if you're somebody who's exercising on the regular, if you're doing any sort of endurance training, like you need carbs. And I mean, I can tell you my marathon days, I I didn't, didn't fuel myself properly. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like that's up there as far as, you know, things that women are like nervous by, um, I'd also probably throw like potatoes in there, red meat, a lot of these Mm. foods that are like really high in calories, but they're really nourishing. Um, So I think it really kind of depends on your goals for sure. But I mean, there's like a lot of fear around food and like not trusting your body. So for a lot of women, it is, you know, slowly weaving in different types of foods that they've thought are, you know, bad or like don't fit into the Weight Watchers points or, you know, they've done in the past. But I do think when you, you know, slowly try These things and put them into your life, and then you start feeling better. Like, you do get a little bit more confident with your choices. And you know, we're always pushing women towards whole foods. I just think your body receives and digests whole foods different Mm -hmm. than processed foods. I mean, processed foods are processed. Right. Um, so we're always pushing them in that direction, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions about what's healthy and not healthy. And I really do think it's hundred percent from diet culture and just eating as few calories as possible. And I, I still think women think it's good to eat as few calories as possible. And honestly, like, I see that as bad now. I'm like, Oh, you're not fueling your body, you're not nourishing your body, like you're putting your body in the state of stress, because you're not consuming enough calories. And I do think that backfires on a lot of women, because you know, our bodies are smart, they want to stay alive. So when you start consuming fewer calories, you're going to start burning fewer calories. And sometimes, you know, we'll see weight gain just because people are under consuming for months and years of their lives. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's hard to get some of these women like out of this pattern, but I do think when they slowly start to trust themselves and they start to feel better, it's so much easier. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of it comes from this like diet culture and, you know, the whole idea was like the fewer calories you consumed, like the better you were. And like, I don't know. Nowadays, I very much change my tune on that because I was there, I was counting calories at one point in my life. And now it's the opposite. Like you want to consume as many high density quality calories as possible. So you're nourishing your body. Cause I have very much learned, like if your body is not nourished in the proper way, your, your cells and your organs and things like that don't have the energy that they need, things are not going to work properly. And I right. think that's, you know, why we have energy issues and hormone issues and things like that. So, um, a lot of times it is, you know, giving our clients, you know, a list of whole foods and just, you know, encouraging them to get those, you know, 80% of the time I mean, it's yeah. cake world. You know, I'm not a stickler for what people eat, but I do think like the majority of what people consume should come from whole foods and just be, you know, the most dense as far as nutrients go.
0: Absolutely. And you said, went back when you were macro counting and I, I would love to kind of quickly pick your brain on that because now it's like you get on Instagram and you know, you see those posts in that feed of like all of these like fitness people and they're encouraging counting macros. And like, you know, I come from a background of like I said, like disordered eating and calorie counting. And so when I really started to study nutrition, um, it was so liberating to kind of break free of the counting when you shifted to a more whole real foods diet. And I even have my mantra, like counting colors, not calories. And so, you know, I would just be curious, like, do you not do that anymore? Is that not something that you, um, work with it, like in your own body and with your clients? And like, is it ever important? Because you know, now it's just all about making sure you get enough protein. And like, so it's just, it's also confusing. I would just love to kind of hear your thoughts on that as they stand now.
1: Yeah. So again, it depends on the woman, you know, what yeah. her goals are, like the level of metabolic dysfunction that she has in her body. Yeah. Um, but we, we still use macros. We like, we still like macros for certain goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we use macros for a variety of reasons. For some people it is like, are you eating enough? I think it is very yeah. educating. Like macros are a tool. They're not a diet, but they can help yeah. you be more aware of your choices. So for some women it is just tracking their protein. Like, are you eating enough protein? Most people yeah. not even close. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes that's helpful as far as using the macros. And then if you have earned your right to go into a fat loss phase or a cut phase, we would use macros to like keep an eye on your calories to make sure you are in a calorie deficit. But what I mean by like earning a cut, like not everybody should go into a fat loss phase. Like your right. body might not be ready. And especially if you're somebody that's been eating like 1,200 calories, like where are we going to cut? We're going to go to. Yeah. 900, 800, like it's just so not healthy. So for a lot of our clients, they're just in maintenance, like they're eating intuitively, they're eating a lot of whole foods, you know, they're just eating when they're hungry, you know, based on, you know, um, their body signals and whatnot. But it really depends on the client and like where they are in that health journey. Because yeah, if you have like blood sugar issues, thyroid issues, hormone issues, and then you think you're going to go into a fat loss phase, I just don't think it's, the smartest. So it really is about timing and that fat loss phase. Again, this could be like another whole episode, Yeah, Uh, but we only put people on cuts maybe like once a year, like you Mm -hmm. really shouldn't be under eating. Like you should spend most of your life in maintenance and eating enough food. And then, you know, maybe for a special occasion, maybe for the summer a vacation, that's when you would go into a fat loss phase, but it's a limited time. You know, we have cuts that are eight to 16 weeks and that's it. We cut you off. Yeah. You don't do that anymore. Um, so, yeah.
0: So but, to clarify, yeah, to clarify oh, right. for people who might not know, cut is just like a fat loss phase, yep. right? It's putting you, putting right. someone in kind of like a calorie deficit, if you will. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just layman's terms. Okay. That's what right. I thought. Yeah. And I mean, this is actually something I'm learning more about myself because, you know, I, I think back in that time in January and February, I'd actually read this book by, um, a nutritionist that i look up to and respect and her name is Nora i'm going to botch her last name it's nora go to goddess or something anyway she wrote primal body primal mind and when i read that years ago like it really helped educate me on more like ancestral nutrition and getting away from processed foods and then her book um i forget the name of it now but it was all about she's like all about high fat Basically, Mm -hmm. like ketogenic keto, but like very moderate protein. So, anyway, like I said earlier in our conversation, sometimes I tend to latch on to this information that I read and comes into my experience. And sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's harmful. This time it was harmful. I feel as if when I majorly cut my carbohydrates, I just experienced just a drop in mood. It was like so apparent. So, anyway, I am trying to unlearn myself this fear of carbohydrates because I think wearing a continuous glucose monitor, while super insightful, and I would advise a lot of people who may experience blood sugar issues to look into wearing one themselves, it can be a great tool it did for someone who has a history of disordered eating it can bring back some of those old fears like when i see my blood sugar completely spike after having a banana or whatever and you know and it's just i have to rein it in and i'm very self aware in in this and especially when things are kind of going out of control in other abstract areas of life like work or you know motherhood um has completely brought a layer of anxiety that i didn't even know could exist but it's just like i tend to again, like latched onto this food stuff. And anyway, just being very vulnerable here of, you know, I feel as if nutrition and health, I always like to say, I'm always a student and I would encourage other people to also view themselves that way. And it sort of goes into what we were saying earlier about evolving and being fluid and just realizing that your body is always evolving. And so when you can kind of just, realize that like, okay, if something's not working, you might just have to shift. And that's where some working with you can really come into play because you really help, um, you know, guide and educate and use that testing. And speaking of testing, I actually had written, I won't bring this onto the podcast. I'll talk about it when we're offline, but, um, estrogen dominance was something I wanted you to, um, kind of tell us a little bit more about and why it's something that women should be aware of and what symptoms they might experience if they're having estrogen dominance and how that can prevent fat loss if that's someone's goals.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah. of a hot topic over here. I see a lot. So we run the Dutch test, which is a hormone test. It's a Mm. hearing test, but we see that estrogen dominance a lot, especially during this phase of life. And it happens for a few reasons. I mean, it's basically estrogen out of balance in comparison to progesterone. Mm -hmm. So usually we'll see high estrogen, but a lot of times it could be semi-high normal, but progesterone is really, really low and progesterone gets low when you're stressed.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: As you age. I mean, there's a few reasons for why progesterone gets low, but it just, it's a natural transition as we get older. And then also, you know, a lot of women have been on the pill, they're exposed to, you know, fake estrogens, um, plastics, you know, different (laughs) beauty products and, you know, conventional dairy. There's a lot of places that you can get like extra, extra estrogen. Yes. And if your detox systems, like aren't getting that estrogen out of your body, you can mm. struggle with symptoms. So like every single day, your body makes estrogen, you use it, and then you want to get it out and it goes out in the liver and it goes out in the gut. So of course, if you know, the liver is not working properly. Yeah. Having constipation issues or other GI issues, like that, estrogen's not can, going to move as efficiently as it can. Um, but all that extra estrogen, so estrogen and fat cells kind of have like this like cyclical relationship where estrogen feeds fat cells, fat cells feed estrogen. Yeah. Um, so you know, it one hundred percent can lead to fat gain or just, you know, weight loss resistance. Um, but other symptoms I dealt with this myself because I was on the pill for a very, very long time, um, and had GI issues. So yeah, <laughs> it yeah, it goes right? hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but common symptoms are, I would say heavy periods, um, mm-hmm. headaches right before your period, um, ovulation, it can be like a really miserable time for people, the mood swings, um, insomnia, um, cramping, uh, acne for sure um, like just low energy, low libido, just low mood in general. Um, are some of the common ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, ovulation, I feel as if I even said, told my OBGYN one time that like, I experience insomnia during my ovulation. And I feel like she kind of looked at me all weird. And I don't know whether that's like a symptom of that or not, but, um, I would notice it then. And my anxiety would get higher, which I know is also like a a symptom of estrogen dominance. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you're Mm -hmm. so right about, I I think that's, people don't realize that about digestion and elimination. And, you know, a a lot of people in the society are walking around constipated and, you know, I I feel as if, right. Isn't that a thing that like estrogen is eliminated with your bowel movement, so if you're constipated, that puts you at higher risk for being estrogen dominant as well.
1: A hundred percent, and we see mm-hmm. that a lot. I mean, you really should be. I mean, I love talking about GI stuff, but you really should yeah. be going to the bathroom like once, twice a day as far yeah. as having bowel movements. So, you know, we have clients come to us and they're like, "I might have a bowel movement once a week," and I'm like, "All right,
0: right, <laughs> right. Let's Here's start this there." This yeah. Is <laughs> So I would be curious to hear uh, more about like muscle building. Um, because I feel like for me personally, I've always had this story of it's really hard for me to put on muscle. And I know that's not true because I've had periods where, um, I have been, my body composition has been closer to like what I would envision for myself during like a maintenance or whatever. But, um, What does hormones and fat loss and all of this have to do with ability to build muscle and increase metabolism? Because as we get older, it becomes even that more important to put muscle on.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. This is, this is kind of my like new soapbox right now. Yeah. With I all love the it. Building stuff. Cause you know, I have so many clients come to us and they are like so concerned about the number on the scale and they just want to like lose fat and so many like nine times out of 10, they really need to gain muscle. I think that's like, what is really, what would really get the body composition goals that they want, because right as I explain it to clients, like muscle and fat, like the skin over your muscles are two different tissues. Um, so it's not like fat can turn into muscle muscle can turn into fat, like whatever that myth is like, that right. but a lot of times like putting muscle on your body is going to make it look very, very different. And that's why you see those like photos on Instagram or, you know, the yeah. where it's like a before and after. And yeah. the before is a woman, she's like 150 pounds and, you know, she looks like maybe she could lose some weight. And yeah. then, like the second picture, her after photo, she's like 155 pounds and she's like all like ripped and up, like and cut yeah. abs, and she looks amazing. Yeah. And of course, the scale is five pounds more, but like, putting some muscle on her body changed her body composition, right? And like you were saying, as we get older, it just gets harder and harder to build muscle just because our testosterone slows down. Yeah. Um, you just don't have all those lovely hormones that you did in your twenties to like really get strong. So it's really important for women, just as far as like longevity, you know, overall health, like as we get older. And I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, people in their seventies and eighties are like falling and breaking hips and stuff like that. Like, I don't want that for myself. Like I want to be strong. I want to be able to play with my grandkids. Um, so I think it's really important as far as just like building that muscle now, because as I say to our clients, you have to use it or you're going to lose it, especially yeah. in your forties. Like it just gets so much harder. And like, I have so many women say they're like, Oh, I don't want to bulk up. And I'm like, that is not a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I interviewed a, um, a personal trainer and she's like, I can personally attest that I've been trying to bulk up for years and have failed miserably because it's just you can't.
1: Mm -hmm. I spent months in a quote unquote bulk, like eating more calories, you know, really focused on strength training and like, I think I barely gained (laughs) barely. Um, but that's, that's another important point to make that, you know, this strength building stuff, it takes time. It's not something that's just going to happen in like eight weeks. You can make progress in eight weeks, but like, really, I would look years into the future as far as like the strength training goes. And it's like a forever thing. But the thing about muscle is it doesn't come out of nowhere. Like you need to eat enough. You need calories, you need energy to make those muscles, Mm. and then you need to strength train. So you really need to I say progressive overload where you're like adding, you know, weight and trying to get stronger, but you do need to do some sort of like heavy lifting where you're really challenging your body because you need to essentially change the stimulus in your muscles. So like mm-hmm. the muscle breaks down, you get that like soreness and then the muscle builds back stronger. Um, so you need to strength train, but you also need enough food to like yeah. build those muscles. So that's why when we plan out, you know, these nutritional phases for our clients, like a bulk phase is where you're eating a maintenance or maybe a little bit more, um, and really focusing on that strength training so you can build muscle. And then after that, that's when maybe we would do a fat loss phase where you're really focused on losing fat, but during that fat loss phase, you're also going to lose muscle because that's just how our bodies work. So there's certain things that we're really trying to do in a fat loss phase, but not everybody needs a fat loss phase. Like I think for most women, they probably just need to gain some muscle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is it easier or more difficult? Which one is more difficult to lose fat or muscle?
1: Hmm. That is a good question. I would say probably muscle, just like how the body works Yeah. Um, because muscle is, like the last thing that the body is really going to use for energy, it's going to use Uh carbs first. I mean, carbs and fat, um, carbs, fat, and then it would go to protein as far as like broken, breaking down like muscle tissue and whatnot. So, um, but, you will lose both during a cut. And I've yeah. been doing my little in-body scans. I'm doing a cut. I haven't done a cut in four years, but here we are. We're finally. Oh, cool. It. I feel like I have earned it.
0: Yes. Okay. I <laughs> Got out of
1: All my dysfunction in my body. Um, but I've been doing the in-body scans where it looks at your muscle mass and your fat mm. separately.
0: And I've already seen my muscle mass decrease. <laughs> oh my. So do you have this, is this something you do at home or do you have to go into a so it's at my gym. So oh, okay. I
1: do like a scan there, but I did one when I started the cut and then I'll, you know, I did one kind of like a third of the way
0: through and I'll, you know, do one at the end just to see the progress, but, you so, know, losing
1: fat, but also losing muscle.
0: Uh-huh. Is- okay. So I would be so curious. I would love to know. All right. So let's say that someone is not in a cut phase is in a maintenance phase, but they want to, they don't want to lose any weight, but they just want that body composition changed, right. To like mm-hmm. get a little bit more toned and sort of just like tighten things up and like gain muscle. What would be kind of your general weekly exercise guidelines and then like a day in the life of eating? Well, I
1: would say maintenance is the best place to be for that. Um, uh-huh. just because you're eating enough. And I always say like maintenance is kind of like a magical place to be. And really you should spend like 90% of your life there. I mean, that just makes sense. And mm-hmm. in my head. like you're fueling your body, you're exercising. Um, and you know, I think that should be the goal for a lot of women. Um, yeah. but, I mean, again, it depends on the woman depends on her goals, her level of fitness. There's, there's so many factors that go in, but I typically start our clients with two or three strength training workouts per week. And I, Okay. I just say full body to make it easy. I mean, you could do the splits like upper body, lower body, all that. But I just say, yeah. like, do three full body strength training workouts per week, or two to three. It kind of depends again, depends on the woman and what she can commit to. I'm big on like committing to what you can do and just yeah. knocking it off, like doing less better. Because I think a lot of times women are like, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to work out six days a week, and they do it for like a week. Yeah, And then they can't keep up that pace and then they do nothing and they're kind of back to where they are. So I'd rather have you commit to two days a week and check it off your list every single week before you add in a third day. There's something to be said about consistency. Um, but as far as, um, nutrition, I would just make sure you're getting enough protein, enough carbs, enough fat. Um, and a lot, again, it depends on the client, but I mean, we do kind of just like a I mean, sorry, there's so many things I could say. It really depends like on the person, Um, but just like cliff notes, I would say protein is a building block. This is how I explain it to clients is that you need the amino acids from the protein to do a million things in your body, but to build muscle yeah. and then carbs and fat are fuel sources. And that's how your body, you know, makes energy and whatnot. Um, and it really depends. Like some people do well with like a lot of carbs. Other people do well, more like high fat, like how they feel their energy levels and whatnot, but they're kind of interchangeable. So it really just depends on the person. But if you're somebody who is exercising on the regular, um, mm-hmm and you're pretty consistent with it, I would just make sure you're getting enough carbs, like before and after your workout, because Mm -hmm. your body is just going to make good use of them. And they're important for recovery and just how you feel and your blood sugar and all that. So I typically tell clients to like sandwich their carbs. So I'm like, have some carbs before workout, have some carbs after, um, and really get like the bulk of their carbs, like around that workout.
0: Got it. And so when you say a resistance training workout, how long does that have to be?
1: Uh again, it depends on the client. Um, I mean, I mean like 30 to 60 minutes. I mean, you can okay. do a lot of work in 30 minutes if you're efficient and really focused. So I think it just depends, depends on the client. But
0: yeah, it's like a good place to start. <laughs> and then not to kind of refer to calories, but I bet you a lot of women out there will be mind blown when you kind of do put a number on this. When you say making sure you're eating enough calories, what ranges. When you kind of help women increase their nutritional intake, how many calories is that per day? Uh,
1: again, depends on the client, but if they're yeah. interested in building muscle, I would say probably like at least 2000, unless you're yeah. like a, a tiny human, <laughs> yeah, like you don't need that many calories. But I mean, most of our clients are eating over 2000 calories. I mean, for example, I'm doing a cut now and my cut, I'm still over 2000 calories. So wow. Like, that's amazing. a lot but I eat a lot. I feel my yeah.
0: body. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, yeah. And I just think that that's so important. Cause I mean, I remember with the same conversation with my acupuncturist, she's, you I mean, she's a very active person too. And she was like, you know, I have realized I need anywhere from 21 to 2,400 calories a day. And again, it's like mind blown because we are just stuck in this thinking of not to say that you want to create a cal, a calorie deficit every day, but it's just like, Oh, like, don't go above like 1500, you know? So it's just like, if you're not, if you're below, if you're materially below that, then you're probably under yourself, mm-hmm. um, which is a lesson that I have had to learn in the most recent months. And so I'm right there with you as much as I have nerded out about nutrition in the past 10 years, like I'm always learning something and I, and I just think that people, um, need to educate themselves so that they can really fuel themselves properly and, um, have the most energy they can to do what matters in life. Um, okay. So I know we only have a few minutes, so I want to wrap it up. And before I ask my last questions, where can people find you? Where can they go to work with you? Um, tell us all the details.
1: So I'm at I'm at Carrots and Cake. So carrots the letter N and then cake.com and then Carrots and Cake on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast. I have a cookbook. I love <laughs> it. Everywhere. You can find yeah. me. I'm easy to track down as I tell my clients.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I just I want to reiterate, you know, how much how special it is to be able to have these conversations with you, Tina, because I think I said this on our first conversation, it might not have even been when we went live with recording, but back when I was kind of struggling with the disordered eating sides of side of things in like 2007, 2008, and then I found your blog and I was just like, oh my God, this chick like knows how to live life. And it's just (laughs) like, you just, you gave this whole other meaning to having a balanced lifestyle. And the fact that like, you know, you could enjoy your beer, but then like also like run a race and like, I don't know. It just, it changed my life. And I don't know if I've ever told you that. So it's just, it's so cool to me that 15 years later, I get to actually sit here on zoom and have this conversation with you because I just, I don't think that, um, and yours was like the first healthy living blog. I think I found it might've even been like on a self website or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I just, I remember it so well. I remember my bedroom that I was anyway, so you've been very impactful for me. So I just want people to know that if you feel as if you need extra support, coaching in any way, like please reach out to Tina because she is amazing. Um, and I know that she could be a wonderful resource and support for you. Um, so with carrots and cake and your business and how it stands today, kind of like what are your big dreams and goals that you have now? Because I just I feel as if you've just achieved so much and you've done all the things, but kind of knowing you from afar, I imagine that you still have some ambitions. Always. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what would those be? All right. So up next,
1: um, I would say like this, this year, maybe last year, it's been about just growing the business a bit mm-hmm. bigger because it, it's just been just me for a yeah, lot of yeah. um doing all the things. But I have a small team that works for me now. So I have three coaches that help me out. So really just trying to like grow and scale. Mm-hmm. Um and I have gone back to group coaching. Um I took oh, some time awesome. off um just because I was really sick. I have ulcerative colitis and I was just dealing with like a lot of health issues so I didn't yeah. do anything extra as far as like Good. goes but um I kicked off a group coaching program called Fit and Fueled. Mm. Um it just started in April the next one's going to be in September but this is really going to be my signature program. It's 6 months long and a big part of it is really layering in habits and getting consistent and having that community support. So there's 27 ladies in the group. So it's a big enough group, but it's not so huge that you get lost and we're leaving in a little bit of the functional testing in there and like really helping these women create their own health journey instead of just giving them like a food list and telling them what not to eat and giving them like random macros. Like I'm really trying to get them to, make significant changes in their life and doing it in really like slow and systematic way that it sticks. Because I think the goal for a lot of these women is sustainable fat loss. Like they don't want to jump from program to program, make themselves crazy. Like they want to lose weight. They want to gain muscle. They want to be fit and fueled. And they want to just maintain that. So like my goal with this is really to have people finish the six month program and feel like they've really made a change in their life and they feel confident that they can continue on by themselves. Like they don't need another coach. They don't need another program. Um, but they've really like learned some tools and habits that they can, you know, maintain for the long-term. Um, we'll eventually introduce macros, but I mean, it's, you know, we're five weeks in and like, I don't think macros are coming for another few weeks because I think foundational things that we really need to do first mindset (laughs) Gathering yeah. data. there's a lot yeah. of this um, before we just give somebody a set of macros and just tell them to hit their macros. So yeah, um, it's really comprehensive. I I don't want to make it like dramatic, but it's like kind of like my life's work. Yeah, a absolutely. Program. There's. Mindset, there's minerals, there's macros, there's blood sugar, there's data, there's like everything. So um it's a really great pro- program. So that's a big thing. And then um I think the next thing that's coming up is an eight-week fitness challenge that's starting on my birthday in June. Oh, very cool. Um so if you're interested in just you know, staying accountable to yourself. I just know how summer is like vacation travel and kids are out of school. It's just like crazy. So it's an accountability challenge to help us all just stay on track with our workouts. So the workouts are just quick and sweaty, get it done. They're mostly strength training, but there's definitely like a Metcon sweat part of it. Yeah. I can send you the details if you want. Yeah, no. And I can link all
0: this in the show notes. That's
1: the next thing coming up in June. And then the group launches in September. And then one-on-one coaching is always open as far as like the functional
0: testing goes. That's awesome. Um, Well, it sounds like some very powerful programs. And I love how you're doing that in the summer, because I feel like a lot of people do have that mindset of like, oh, I'll start. You know, yeah. when the fall starts or when the holidays are over, and there's always going to be a thing, always. you know, whether it's a vacation or a, a dinner or an event or, you know, a holiday, like there's a lot of holidays these, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the year. So yeah, better, better to start now. Um, yeah. And
1: it's just about being motivated and staying consistent, just getting yeah. into a routine because summer is beer and barbecues and
0: <laughs> mm, bring it on. Yeah, all the fun stuff. <laughs> um, okay. So I would love to hear if you could kind of communicate your message in one to three sentences. Like if you were to stand on a platform and kind of want to shout to the roof from the rooftops, what would you want the audience to hear?
1: Oh my gosh, now there's so much pressure on this. <laughs> I think even just thinking back to like my early carrots and cake days, it's mm-hmm. funny. Cause like, I just started this blog, like on a whim one day, like a free blog, you know, and it's yeah. funny that, you know, I started, it. it's called carrots and cake. And I just feel like so much of that mentality still applies to what I do today. So I would say you know, to be healthy and fit and happy and all that. I just don't think it needs to be perfect. I really do think like the more imperfect you can be in your own life and figure out what works for you, like the more consistent you can be. I just feel like coming from like that type A personality and working with a lot of these women who are very type A, they're so hard on themselves. And I just feel like it's detrimental in the sense that like, if you're not doing it perfect, like you quit Yeah. I just feel like there's a nice gray area there. And I think that's where women thrive if they are open and aware of it Um, and being okay with making mistakes and trying new things and just having that like open, broke mindset to Mm. try those different things. And I just keep going back to carrots and cake. And when I started, I just knew myself and like, I started it so I can get in shape for my wedding day, but I knew myself from the start. And I was like, I'm not giving up my favorite foods. Like I'm not going to starve myself. Like I love food too much. And I just, I don't know. I just stick by that 80 20. And I think that's kind of how I live my life as far as like food, fitness, lifestyle, and just like do the things you're supposed to do, but like have some fun too. Like life is way too short, you know, or way too long. I guess depends how you're going to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like not enjoy yourself. So even though like I'm promoting whole foods all day, I'm like, go have your nachos, go have your wine, do whatever you want to do. Yes. Like, just make the majority of it healthy stuff.
0: Ah, preach. I love it. Let's end on that note. So wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on always such a great time talking to you. And I'm so grateful for your insight and wisdom. And I'm so glad that, you know, we connected and we'll stay connected and all the good things. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people for further learning. Be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified until next time.